Welcome to another session of the book review teachings of Mama Frances Ward, Keep the Fruit on the Table. I'd like to go back and do a little uh, review with chapter one. It was the title of the book, Keep the Fruit on the Table, that our life are always putting forth seed and we have control of what seed we plant so other people will be uh, blessed. Chapter two was, if you want it, sow it. Uh, how that whenever you plant seeds, the fruit is in the seed and also the seed is in the fruit. Chapter three was the swinging door to where with uh, relationships with people and in families, it takes time. Sometimes it takes more time and respect. Those three things, time, more time, and respect. Today we come to chapter four and it's communicating through truth. Uh, communication. So many times if you miscommunicate or somebody misunderstands you, how that it can just create a big problem in relationships. And so I'd like to uh, read you two scripture verses that mama wrote in her book. Also, uh, the picture that's being shown today is uh, Philip Ward walking his mother down the aisle at our wedding back in December of 1982. And you can see how tall and strong Philip Ward was. And uh, his mom uh, and dad were in our wedding and they prayed a prayer of blessing over us in our marriage ceremony. And also, uh, she kept looking at me whenever I'd go to the uh, Bible studies in her house. And she said, uh, I have my wedding dress that I really think it would be the right size for you. So uh, if, if you'd like to try it on. And at the time it was like 42 years old. And so I got one of my friends to go over with me and I told her, I said, now, if it doesn't look good, you let me know. But I'm telling you, whenever I put that dress on, it was a perfect fit. So I actually wore Mama Ward's wedding gown in my wedding back in 82. So uh, she gives two scriptures here. And I love it whenever you use an Old Testament scripture along with a New Testament scripture. I learned something long ago that the New Testament is in the Old Testament contained. And the Old Testament is in the New Testament explained. So here in Proverbs 23, 23, uh, the psalmist says, Buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And then in the New Testament, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2, uh, 9 and 10, says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs of lying wonders, and with all deviableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Again, this chapter deals with communication through truth. Uh, in the previous chapter, we talked about communication in the family and how uh, necessary it was. And today we can see how that there are problems in so many families that they don't communicate. 
There's no relationship. You have to spend time with each other and invest time, not just spend time, but invest time with each other and the family members. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 8, Paul says about the signs of the uh, last days that we're living in and how relevant it is for us today that he says in verse 7 uh, that Paul says, forever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, truth is, we'll see that it's not only fact, but it also is a person and his word. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10 that we talked about earlier, that the phrase, because they receive not the love of the truth. You have to hear and receive truth. And it's a contrast between what David said in Psalm 119, 165. David said, great peace have they that love my law or my word and nothing shall offend them. That's a, a very, uh, just an outstanding statement that whenever you know the truth, you can't be offended. The, the truth won't offend you and you will know the truth and it will set you free. In the, in the very beginning of the word of God, we found out that truth became something identifiable with God and his word. You can't separate God from his word. His word is truth. God is truth. And you can't separate the two. They just come together. I'm reminded of uh, Jesus standing before Pilate. And uh, he told Pilate that he came to bear witness of the truth. And it spurred some insight or, or questions in, in uh, Pilate. And he asked Jesus, he said, well, what is truth? And that's a question today. We have to know the truth in matters. Uh, a lot of times truth is covered up, but uh, in our prayers, we can always pray that the truth will be revealed and any kind of untruth will be uncovered so that we will walk in the light of the truth of the word of God. Uh, in the dictionary, it says that con truth is the conformist conformance to the fact or reality the state or quality of being true as being opposed to being false. It's either true, true. It's not a true false or a false truth. It is true and there's no false in it. Uh, truth is declared another way with the relationship with God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. That Trinity there, there's no falseness. There's no evil, there's no uh, untruth in it, that those three deity, there's definitely total truth in each one. Uh, there was an interesting story that she told about a missionary young lady in the Amazon River area, and she was there ministering and being a missionary, and she was trying to find a, a definition of the abstract word truth in this particular uh language group, people group, and finally they came up with the expression by, to explain what truth was, is he is not a liar. 
You can't get any better or clearer than that. He is not a liar. What a quite uh, interesting statement there. But we, uh, when we see how the truth and our deity in, in Jesus Christ, Paul wrote it like this in, in Romans 10 and 11. Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. That the word of God is one of the few absolutes where we can come to rest on. We can know that what he said is truth and we can rely on that. And the preaching and the teaching of the word brings light and deliverance to our lives. And as you believe it, for she says, for believing it puts it into action. Whenever you believe something, you can act on it. A lot of times, if you really don't believe in something, you'll just say, no, I'm not even going to spend my time with that. But if you really believe something, you act on it. Uh, she brings out the relationship, how it's always been. Uh, a, there's always been a fight between God and man and Satan and light and darkness. There's always been, uh, starting in the book of Genesis, there's always been a conflict there between truth and fiction. Uh, that uh, I want to read this quote to you in, in this. Uh, the infinite love of wisdom of God is revealed in the simple manner. He chose to begin teaching men of himself as the true and the living God. That's why that's how God introduced himself to the people of Israel, that I am the true and the living God. You know, there's a lot of other gods in the world today, but, G but God has described himself as the true and the living God. And what was the simple process he used this, to lay this foundation to bring it to mankind? This is what he says. This is what defines God. He very simply made promises and he kept them. That makes him God. He says a thing and he does it. So as we've laid a foundation of faith here uh, that we can, we can use today, she says, how marvelous and yet how humble that the all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present one should see fit to reveal himself in such simplicity to mankind, that was just the beginning of finding his way. In Genesis 6, we're looking at uh, how God communicated with Noah. He was the first man that uh, God really had a, a relationship with, that he could speak to him on a face-to-face, first-person basis. Listen to me as I as I read the scriptures that she gives here in Genesis 5 through 8. And God saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. How sad. But look at this verse. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was something about Noah that God could trust him, that he talked to him in person. In Genesis 6, 17, And behold, I, even I do a I do, a, I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. God had a plan to remove the untruthful, the evil out of the world. And again, in Genesis 7 and 4, for yet seven days, in seven days, I'm going to bring this to pass. I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. You know, this is kind of a depressing thing that the, the end is going to come, except for Noah and his family. But uh, whenever he said, I'm going to bring rain, Noah didn't even know what that was. There was no rain up to that point, that there was a mist that came from the earth that watered uh, the ground. And uh, I like to think of, of Noah and his background, his heritage, that Enoch was his grandfather. Can you imagine growing up with a grandfather that uh, growing up on his, his grandfather's knee probably and hearing stories about his personal uh, action and, and reactions with God of the universe? And uh, it instilled in Noah uh, a trust that he could trust God. And so whenever uh, he knew God as the living God and the true God, uh, we can see how that in that trust, God could say about Noah that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, in fact, he trusted God so much that for the next 120 years, Noah built this ark. There had never been rain. There had never been a flood, but he trusted God's word, and it would come to pass. So going on a, on a, on a happier note here, in uh, Genesis 9, 12 through 17, God said, and that this is the token of my covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for the perpetual generations I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seed in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh, and the bow shall be the cloud. And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Many other promises God gives us in his word, and he kept them. That's what we call truth. He's the only one that kept covenants with the Israelites. He made covenants with the Israelites, but the Israelites would break those covenants. God was never first to break a covenant. He always stood by what he said. He never broke it first. 
that uh, even the surrounding enemies of the Israelites saw that God was the God of the Israelites, that he was a true and living God, but they were afraid of him. Uh, But they knew the integrity. And if you've never uh, understood the blood covenants in 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 the word of God and how Jesus came and he totally fulfilled the blood covenant that was given in the Old Testament, I admonish you to look at a book by E.W. Kenyon. It's called The Blood Covenant, and it explains it so well that we in the Western Hemisphere, we don't understand blood covenant so much, but uh, in the Eastern countries, they understand how important it is. I want to finish this session with some scriptures. In John 3.16, for God so Loved. What three words are so powerful in the Bible? God so loved mankind that he gave us another chance by sending Jesus, his son, to furnish the necessary grace that would come from loving him as the living son of God in the first person basis. We can go at any time and go in prayer and have a personal conversation with the creator of the universe. How awesome is that? Thank God for Jesus. In John 3, 19, it tells us how that man's clung to darkness because his deeds were evil and so continued to walk apart from the blessings the mighty God was offering through his son. Everything about God is good. In Matthew 22, 6, it says, Master, we know that you are true and teach us the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Even these guys were hypocrites, but knew that Jesus could not be bought, that he was utterly and totally trustworthy. That's all I have time for today. We'll continue chapter four in Keep the Fruit on the Table book. We'll be with you next time. God bless you.